You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, make an impact in our own unique way, and importantly, to get well paid for it. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to quietly ambitious humans. Hi, and welcome back to another interview on the Creatively Human podcast. Today, I am chatting with business strategist and certified online business manager for online entrepreneurs, Villamain Mass. We are talking all things systems and outsourcing and hiring um, with a real emphasis on looking after your own well-being as a business owner, which I just think is such an important part of this conversation. In 2016, Villamaine had to step down from her medical career after she crashed into severe burnout and lost her job due to long-term illness. Her recovery took two years and she is now dedicated to help prevent burnout for entrepreneurs because health is pivotal for business success. Amen. Today, Villamaine supports women entrepreneurs in growing their business, team, and projects so that they have more time and energy for the things that are important to them. She focuses on strategy, planning, the right support, and mindset, and teaches ways to create and maintain a successful business in a sustainable way, even when experiencing energy or health issues. Now, if what we're talking about today resonates with you, make sure you go and check out her free Facebook group, which is called Here to Last, and go grab her free sustainable success guide, which is all about growing your business without the overwhelm and the overwork. And I'm going to link to that guide in the show notes. I think that this conversation you're about to hear is one that a lot of you probably need to hear. I know that there are a lot of feelings around either making your first hire bringing on your first team member or scaling that and working on your systems. I know it can feel like a lot, but ultimately it comes down to you being supported and being taken care of, taking care of yourself, running a business that works even when you can't and um, making the impact that you want to have in the world. So yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Okay, so let's start with this question, what does the word system mean to you? That's a great one. Um, System to me means something that you can repeat and that you can set up to uh, make your life easier, basically. So Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of people think about systems as um, software tools or um, systems within their software tools even. But it's actually something else. It's something more broad. So a system can also be um, a recurring process or a workflow that has multiple steps in it and uses multiple software tools, for example. And that, so that immediately says that it's not about one tool, but it's about a process that you can repeat time and time again. Mm-hmm. So every re- recurring task in a business or in a household, or even your like morning routine basically is a system. Mm. Yeah, I love that simple way of putting it. So let's dig into more of, I don't know, what do you think are some of the most important systems? Tell me if I'm jumping the gun here and we need to talk more about what systems are, but what do you think some of the most important systems are that business owners can implement to just to make their lives easier, no matter what size their business is? 
Yeah, I think that is something, uh, you know, you need to you need to know your systems from the start and some mm -hmm. of them you will develop over time. So it's every business needs some kind of bookkeeping system because you need to do your taxes and you need to, you know, register your invoices and payments, etc. So that would be one of the first systems to start with, mm -hmm. even though you have only one client or sold one course you still need to tr keep track of that in some way. So that would be a system that you can set up for yourself. And then uh, when your business grows, you will serve more clients. So then one of the, the things that I recommend having is a scheduling system, which often translate into a, a scheduling tool where you can schedule appointments with clients and reschedule, et cetera. But you will, you will notice really quickly that you have a preferred way of setting up an appointment and that is your system. And you can then automate the system or, or decide to keep doing it manually, but it is a system, how to schedule your appointments. If you do it, if you do it on Monday, you do it this way, and on Tuesday, you do it another way, and on Wednesday, you do, you do it again another way, you will never get the hang of it really quickly. So normally, like automatically, we will make systems for ourselves because we're like wired that way. Mm. It's easier to have the same routine every single day when you you know wake up or go to bed if you change it up so this is actually interesting because i'm just going on a side like sidetrack immediately fine. <laughs> um yesterday i was uh talking to someone about like we're in lockdown the measures are changing and like every two to three weeks it's different and i was complaining to my friend about how our homeschooling routine was messed up every single week because the teachers mm -hmm. thought of something new or then they they could go to school to make some tests and then they couldn't and so it changed every every other week which makes it very difficult to create any routine in your life which makes it feel way more draining and way more hard so that is why we need systems in our business too to make things easier so that was, I, to, I talked about the bookkeeping one mm -hmm. and uh, the scheduling one. And then uh, the next one would be onboarding. So you have a client, you signed a client, and then you don't want to waste like three days for every single client to figure out how to onboard them, what to send them, um, you know, do they need a contract or not? And what contract should it be? And, and how, you know, when are you going to follow up on them? So it's really important to make that very clear for yourself. Like, okay, I'm going to send these documents to them. And, and then I will follow up in three to five days. And then I will record it in this system, in this software tool or in my, you know, CRM system. And that is a way of creating simplicity in your business, which really, really helps with um, running everything else behind the scenes, but also with your own energy management. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, it got me thinking about, I remember a time when my business was growing, I was getting more clients. Um, and I just found that I was spending more and more time setting stuff up behind the scenes, like doing the admin, and it didn't feel good to me. And I feel like I was basically, I was that business owner that just like, let it grow and let it happen. But I didn't, I wasn't, con I, I clearly had some systems because I had certain ways of doing things, but I wasn't conscious about it. And um, it, I, I just, I remember what a difference it made when I started to consciously, literally, even just like in a text document, write it down, what I was doing. Is that how you would advise 
people to start thinking about this stuff? Or do you have any like any more snazzy ways of going about it? Yeah, I, I think the awareness phase that you just described, that is where it always starts. So you have to be aware that you actually have a system in place. And then you can document the steps and you can find ways to make those steps easier or to improve them or to make the flow better or, or something like that. But I would always start with writing out the actual steps but because mm. that is what I can see happening for a lot of entrepreneurs that they actually don't really know what they're doing in terms of steps that they're taking. And when you start writing them down, and, and I'm, I, I literally mean like, um, for example, when a, a client contacts you, it's like um, a potential client contacts you, um, you will have a couple of things that you do for yourself. Maybe you register that name in your, in, in a Google sheet, for example. Mm -hmm. So that would be uh, step number one is register name in Google sheet. And then you would maybe send them uh, your scheduling link to book a call with you. So that could be the next step. And then they would get an email confirmation. Like this is when we have the call, which is the third step. So it's really about writing down all the steps that are taken in that process to create a workflow that actually works and doesn't break somewhere because you want to go to the to the end point which is the client booking you for something or you know working with you so there are going there are many steps going into that workflow and that process and if you skip one of them or if you mix two steps up like you know you switch them then it wouldn't work so for example, if you would send, a, so someone contacts you and you start sending them your contract without having, you know, having talked to them, that wouldn't make sense. So you need to talk to them first and then, you know, send them your proposal and they say yes. And then you send them the contract. And so those are the steps. And if you switch them up, the system is not working. Hmm. So this is what I often uh, start with is, just literally describing every single step that goes into a workflow mm -hmm. and then, you know, do it on post-it notes. So you can switch them, you know, hang them on your wall, your door, and you can switch them around and you can, you can easily see where your system is actually not working and you can improve it, which is also fun to do. So just, you know, map it out for, you just do it like every single, like six months or 12 months, map out your system, map out your process, and, and you will see where the gaps are and you will see where things fall through the cracks. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you can come up with a solution for that gap and you can make it flow more. That's really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, for anyone listening, me and Villamain know each other very well through our mastermind group. And I always remember something that you shared with us about outsourcing, because it, it, there's one thing when you're creating your own systems and writing down your own workflows. There's another thing when you've already got, say, a VA working for you and they're doing, they're implementing those systems and you're kind of like, you, you, you kind of know what they're doing, but they, they know the ins and outs of what they're doing. And one thing that you said to me that definitely stuck with me is have your VA document everything that they're doing. Otherwise, there comes a problem when, you know, the VA has to leave or, you you know, whatever. And I just 
I've, I've always remembered that. And like, do you have anything else to say about that? Because I know it's really, really important for anyone listening. Yes, it's really important. So for first, I think the most important thing here is that you are already aware of that you have a VA working for you who is doing things in a specific order or in a software tool that you're using and you have no idea how or what or when or you know, mm-hmm. they're just doing their job. And um, it's so that is actually, again, the first step is awareness that there is a system, but it's done by someone else. And you need to know, not literally know, you don't have to take over per se, but it needs to be documented somewhere what that person is doing. So if you have a a good VA, they know that they should do this. Um, And if they don't know, you teach them as the entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. because you're the CEO, you're the boss, you are the person who is in charge of operations and, uh, you know, front end, back end, operations being the back end. And until you have someone else responsible for the back end, you are responsible for the back end as a CEO. So it's super important to tell people that they need to document what they're doing because when they are leaving, get ill, you know, have an accident, just, you know, never show up again, you have a great, like you have this major hole in your process and you have no idea how they were doing it. So the awareness of, someone else is doing tasks in my business and I need them to write them down. That's one. And then secondly, telling them uh, to, to do that and to also check like every three to six months, whether the, the system has changed. Because mm-hmm. what I often see is that people start documenting and they feel really chuffed about themselves. Like, Ooh, I did my VA, you did my documenting and I did my document documents as well. And you know, I did, we call them standard operating procedures. And it's really good to have them, but you need to check on them as well because things change. The software can change. The steps can change. There could be something else that they need to do as well when they are contacting a client or doing customer service or you know, setting up your payments or whatever they're doing for you. So it's super important to keep checking whether the process is still what it needs to be. And it, you know, it takes literally 10 minutes of reading through the document And the person doing the task will immediately see, hey, this step is missing. I need to insert this step because I'm doing this since a month or two. And that's how you keep them up to date. Yeah. I think I need to add a recurring task for my VA because that is something that I hadn't thought about, you know, having a recurring like point at which you check in with the systems and just make sure that the documentation, they're all up to date. Yeah, so what I actually do, and I think this, this could help a lot of entrepreneurs, when you're using um, a project management tool like Asana or ClickUp or Trello even, you can set up a recurring task for the first of each quarter or the mm-hmm. last of each quarter. It doesn't really matter which date. But like every quarter, let just, just set up a uh, for every single uh, standard operating procedure you have in your business, you set up a recurring task to review it. And it literally takes you five to 10 minutes per SOP and then it's done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really useful. Thank you. Um, And something you said there about like being the CEO, you are responsible for the back end until you have someone else. Doesn't really sound great, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be responsible. (laughs) But that aside, yeah, it's like, it's, 
I mean, this to me, I'm, I'm so passionate about spending time working on the business, not just in the business. And for me, that often means, you know, the big picture vision and the mission and the feelings. But it also means this. It also means making sure it's running smoothly in the background. The kind of like cogs are all turning and you're you're setting it up. I see it as a benefit, not only to yourself, but also to your customers. And I mean, at as an OBM, what are the kind of problems that you've seen people running into when they're not keeping on top of this stuff? Then they're kind of putting out fires, but they're not looking at the bigger picture of how things are actually running behind the scenes. I think the most important thing I run into when I, you know, when I start working with a client and they ask me to run the operations um, is that I'm just going to say it. It's the, you know, the enormous mess behind the scenes of folders, files, nothing is centralized. It's stored in like a million different ways. There are no naming strategies or tagging strategies. There are, there's no virtual office in place. So what I mean by virtual office is that when you work for a company, you, uh, you have a key to the door or you have maybe have a badge or something. And uh, you, you get into the door, you have your own office space with your desk and your chair. And all your colleagues have the same thing. They also have a desk and a chair. And there is a main computer and there's a main server. And if you need anything related to that business, you go into the server and you find it in one place and everyone has access. Mm-hmm. And we need to set that up for our own businesses from the start. So no storing files on your personal G drive, no storing files on your personal computer. Because if you have a team or you hire a VA or, you know, any future situation, you, they don't have access to all of those files. So you need to give people a key to the door. You need to give them a virtual chair and a, a virtual space to work which is the Google workspace mostly for most people. And you need to give them access to the, to the, um, the main server where everything is stored, which is a shared Google Drive. If you have those things in place, people can find their stuff and they, you know, they can mm-hmm. store, store files they create for you um, because one of the biggest liabilities is having team members who store your files that, are, that belong to your business on their devices mm-hmm. or on their Google Drive. And then they share it with you. You know, you can, share, you can share the files through Google. But when they leave you and they delete the file, it's lost. You mm-hmm. will never be able to recover it because it's not owned by your company. So every single asset that belongs to your company needs to be owned you know, by, by the business itself and by you. And that is, I think, the most important problem I run into. Mm-hmm. And the second one, um, I think there are three. So the second one is a lack of documented systems that we just discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, team members, they, they just run their own mini company business within your business. They have, you know, they don't share how they do it. And when they leave, then nobody knows. And the third thing is that um, is hiring too late. So doing too many things uh, yourself for a very long time 
and he being hesitant to to hire a VA or another like another support professional, and that often leads to um, being so overwhelmed with all the things in your business, working, you know, in the front end and in the back end, serving your clients and the operations and doing the bookkeeping and 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 there's so many things, and then then I can see when I speak to entrepreneurs for the very first time, they are often in tears because they're so overwhelmed and they have no idea where they can find any time for themselves, for their family to even, you know, sleep. Sometimes they're just working all the time. And if you want to hire, you just, you need, you need some space to be able to do that. You need space to train someone. You need space to, you know, create those documents and those procedures to make sure that someone, you know, hits the ground running for your business. And if you wait too long, there's no space and you're, you're sort of trapped in the overwhelm. And then there's no way that you can easily hire someone because mm -hmm. there's just no space anymore to train them. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely been my experience when I've hired in my business that at first it creates more work for me before it then takes the work off my plate. So what you said about hiring before you get to that place is really, really important. I mean, I mean, when is the right time to start hiring? I would say, so um, when you're at like 80% capacity, so you have 20% left to train someone, that would be the best thing, the best time. How do, but, how do you judge yeah. that? Mostly by, you know, if you know I have a certain amount of client spaces available in a week, um, an amount of client hours, for example, and you're at 80% of that capacity, then you yeah. should think about hiring mm. because you can set, when you serve more clients, you will have less time for marketing activities. And that's mostly the first thing that people outsource is marketing activities, like social media, scheduling, um, sending newsletters, those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that to me also goes back to what you were saying before about like, or what we were talking about having that system in the first place, like even knowing how many clients you can take on requires you having a system for like regularly checking in with your calendar and making mm -hmm. sure that the number of clients you're, work, you're working with is practical, but also feels good. And, you know, constantly having time to actually check in with yourself instead of like letting the business just run away from you. Yes, absolutely. That's super important. So Apart from the kind of overwhelm that you spoke of and the lack of time, like people working all hours, are there any other like concrete issues that have, that you've seen as an OBM um, when this stuff is all going wrong behind the scenes, like how, like tangible effects that it might have on their business? Um, mo mostly it's, it's just, you know, things not in place. So, it takes a lot of time for people to reach each other uh, to find certain documents or files. And especially when uh, a business is, is growing really fast or there is a, like a time sensitive um, project going on, for example, launch, then you do not want people to just run around frantically looking for some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it needs to be in place. It needs to be well prepared. It needs to be uh, all prepared way before the actual event and that is not possible when it's not uh, a shared virtual space mm. 
So I can, launches can fail because of the mess behind the scenes, because of things not being documented, EVA leaving and there's nothing on paper or in a file. Those kinds of things really happen. So it really costs the business money. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about like people listening to this. Actually, let's start with the people listening to this who don't have any sort of team at all. I do speak to some mostly sensitive entrepreneurs who don't like the idea of managing other people. They don't like the idea of having other people work for them. What would you say for these people? They want to grow their business, but they want to keep it just themselves. I would say you still have some systems that you can uh, document and repeat for yourself. So, um, even, you know, for example, when it's bookkeeping, it saves you time if you have a system in place where you know, okay, first I'm going to check my accounts, then I'm going to check my transactions, and this is the way I do it, and these are the steps I take. It helps you save time because next time you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And time is really um, the most important resource we have. So if, and time, time is Maybe, maybe your time is $1,000 per hour, for example. So if you can save one hour, it will save you a lot. Mm. Um, and you can serve in that hour. You can serve someone else. So that would be, um, because I know that most solopreneurs think, you know, I don't need to document all my stuff because I'm just the only one and I know everything and it's in my head. Well, first of all, it's okay if you think that way, but it will save you time if you don't. And, uh, and I also want to address that when you are a solopreneur and your entire business is in your head, if something happens to your head, and I mean it quite literally, mm. there's no business. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you get sick or burned out or uh, you, know, for you, you, know, you run into a car and you have a concussion and you can't work for six weeks, then there's no way that your business is going to survive. So, and it's, that sounds really harsh, but it's the truth. Yeah. So it's when people are hesitant to hire support, I think it has to do with, you know, not wanting to be responsible for someone else or, you know, not wanting them to see behind the scenes. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, I come into businesses uh, of six-figure business owners, multiple six-figure business owners. It's still a mess. Don't be ashamed about your mess. Because it's not your, you know, it's probably not your zone of genius. It's, it's my zone yeah. of genius, but it's probably not your zone of genius to be super structured and super organized. And it's okay because you have other talents and skills which are serving your clients in the best possible way. But what if you could team up with someone and it can be a virtual assistant who can organize your business for you um, or a bookkeeper who can do that for you. But what if you team up with people and do not feel like they're working for me or I'm responsible for these people. They're responsible for their own business but you can work together with them to make your business shine even more. And that is something that we tend to forget that we 
you know, we can support each other and, and, and use each other's zone of genius. Yeah, I think that that's so important. And what you said about if something happens to your head, it is important to say, it really is. Because if you're just like doing your business on the side, you've got, you know, other family income coming in, then fine, maybe that's okay. And maybe you can keep it that level. But if, it, if your business is responsible for taking care of yourself, your family, then you need to think about that. And I just want to say, I hope that anyone listening who got a bit of a tingle hearing that thinking, okay, maybe I do need to hire someone. I hope that that will have been a bit, a bit of a pep talk for doing it. And also, I just wanted to share my experience. I never started, when I started as a copywriter, I never thought I would scale it. I never thought I would hire other people. Then I ended up going traveling and I was like, hang on a minute. I could hire other people to help me with this and I could spend more time traveling. Um, and that's how it started. And it started really small. I think when I first started hiring someone else, I probably spent like 200 US dollars a month, really small amounts of work. And I just scaled it and grew it and grew it. And eventually I was spending like thousands a month, but it doesn't happen overnight. And it gives you time <laughs> to like figure out how it works. And what you said about... Um, you know, there's a difference between hiring employees and hiring subcontractors who are, they are self-employed. They run their own business. They're not your staff. I think there's a difference there as well. So yeah, I think that's really useful. Thank you for sharing all of that. And I hope that, because it, when I, when I come across people saying this, sometimes it's a genuine it's aligned and it's the way they want to live their life and it's the way they're able to live their life and that's fine. But sometimes I do think it's coming from a place of fear, uh, of responsibility, like you said, and also fear of judgment. I certainly felt that way before I hired an accountant. I was so afraid of hiring an accountant because of the mess that I had created. I had a massive tax bill due. I thought I was doing it all wrong. And when she came in, she, you know, legitimately reduced my tax bill changed my, my business from sole trader to limited company. And it just, I feel so supported. And I suppose if there's anything, yeah, that's the thing I want to add as well. Like feeling supported is huge. I think when you're holding so much space for all the things in your business, especially when you're working with clients directly, feeling supported is just massive for me. And I'm guessing that's a feeling that you you help all the people that you work with feel massively supported and that probably makes a huge difference to them mentally. Yes. I think, you know, feeling supported is one of the, I would say maybe basic needs yeah. of every human being. And if you can have someone help you in any way, whether it's a cleaner in your house or, um, uh, you know, someone in your business, it, it, it makes you feel seen and and heard and i think that will that alone frees up space and energy to go out again and serve when we, when we feel alone and um and abandoned maybe in some way that it just eats you up it's not good so it the support is really important and mm-hmm. um especially when to when you want to grow your business you need you need that support you need um, other people to help you because in a in any business there are like 15 different roles and when you're a solopreneur you are wearing those 15 hats and you know 
one day maybe you're you're more like wearing the marketing hat and the other day you're maybe wearing the bookkeeping hat, but you're still wearing 15 hats and switching between all those hats is very tiring. It's so tiring. And it's if you can just give a couple of hats away to someone else who loves to do those things, whose zone of genius it is and who who's just super, super well equipped to do those tasks, it will save you so much time and energy. And that is, it is so important for your sanity, for your health, and to just to feel generally more happy. Yeah, yeah. And I was just thinking, add the other hats into the mix, like, you know, spouse, parent, breadwinner. Yeah, teacher, yeah, homeschooling, whatever. It's like, it's a lot. It's, and I've definitely found since I've had a child, I just have so much less mental capacity for everything that the support is so necessary. And I've definitely spent a lot of, you know, I've invested in support a lot earlier in this business than I did in my first business. And it's, it's so necessary, so necessary for me. Yeah. So I just also wanted to ask you, for anyone listening who potentially does have a VA or they're on that kind of they're at that kind of stage in their business what's the difference between a VA and an OBM and when do you know you're ready to hire an OBM okay that's a great one um this is totally my jam (laughs) Uh, so a VA is uh someone uh, it's a virtual assistant and it is someone who can assist you in your business but you will be the one setting out the strategy and managing the VA Mm -hmm. uh, mostly an OBM, online business manager, it's, in, it's already in the name, in the title. It's, it's a manager. So a, a, the OBM manages other team members and doesn't do the implementation of the task so much. Sometimes I do, for example, I do tech setup for a client, but then the VA takes over and uh, uses the software tool for the business tasks. Mm-hmm. But the, the OBM does more like the managing uh, piece and and a lot of strategy so I do quarterly planning with my with my clients and then we know what we what we are going to do in the business um, and what is needed for that what, which you know new software we need or maybe there's another team member we need to hire so I then take care of the operations behind the scenes which is finance HR um, uh, operational management like the SOPs and the documentation of the processes and the VA is the person who implements the things that we c- come up with who writes the newsletters or who schedules the blog posts or um, you know um, make sure that this, the social media posts are going out that's what the VA's job mostly yeah. uh, and so my job is more is, is, is higher level management and strategy. So when you, you, so you won't start with hiring an OBM because there's no team to manage. And there's uh, mostly there are like fewer projects to manage. So if you have a couple of team members already working for you, that could be, for example, a VA, a website designer, uh, a graphic designer, a video editor, a copywriter, those kind of roles. If you have outsourced a couple of your uh, hats already to other people, then it is time to hire an OBM because you will find that when you grow your team, you will step more into the CEO role. And that role demands of you that you manage that team 
so that you manage your project and you, you tell your team what you need and how and when it should be ready and, and how it should be done. And then it will take, that will take a lot of your time. And then you will find yourself in a place where you start thinking like, I want someone who managed my team for me, who manages my projects, my launches for me. And then it would be time to hire an OBM. Um, and then the next step would be a director of operations who is responsible solely for the operational side. Oh, okay. Um, so what's the difference there between the director of operations and the OBM? And the OBM is also, so you have the front end and the back end of the business and the back end is the operational side and the front end is serving the clients, marketing and sales. Mm-hmm. And an OBM usually manages the um, both sides Mm-hmm. But when the business grows even more, you will have people working on the front end and people working in the operations. And then you would need a director of operations who is solely responsible for the back end of the business. And then we're talking seven-figure business uh, level. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That was a really clear explanation. Thank you. Um, hopefully goals for a lot of people listening to this. And Something that I often think about, you know, when when the big business owners say you don't need to work more to make more money, you actually need to work less. This is it, I think. It is. You've outsourced everything that's not in your zone of genius and you work within your zone of genius. So um, often that looks like, you know, creating the, the certain amount, certain content, not all the content, but your kind of key core content connecting with people, that kind of thing, which I just think is an incredible goal for us all to be working towards. Yes. And so it's, it is something that we hear a lot in the online space, like do what you love, focus on your zone of genius, but you need also, it needs to also be completed with and outsource everything else. And (laughs) that is something uh, that we, you know, it's skipped a lot. That sentence is skipped a lot. So it's mostly like you do what you love and and that's it. But you cannot focus. So you have these 15 hats in your business. So if you don't like bookkeeping, you can't say, I'm just not going to do it because I don't love it. That's not how it works. It's okay to not love it. It's okay to not do it, but then someone else needs to do it. And it can be your husband or your wife or your sister, (laughs) or whatever, or a bookkeeper. But if you decide that you're not going to do it, you need to outsource it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's such an important point. Um, And I just want to change the subject slightly and talk a bit about self-care in general, especially for entrepreneurs. And I know that you've had quite a journey with, burnout and health issues and coming back for that and I'm constantly evaluating how you take care of yourself so um yeah I mean it's a very broad question but is there anything that you want to share with the listeners about your journey with that yeah I think um so we just talked about like when something happens to you as a as an entrepreneur yeah. And I do think that I'm so passionate about this subject because this actually happened to me. And I was not an entrepreneur. I was still in, in corporate. I worked as a medical doctor in the, in the donor medicine. But I, uh, in 2016, I crashed into severe burnout and I didn't see it coming at all. So like one day I was 
doing okay, I thought. And the next day I wasn't able to do anything and it lasted for two and a half years, which I didn't know. Because if I would have known, I don't know if I was still here. Because if you know that you will be, you know, not Mm -hmm. able to take care of your kids, not earn any money, Mm -hmm. you know, not work, not take care of yourself, don't go out of the house. If you know that, you know, up front, it would be really, really hard. But in the end, I... It took two and a half years to recover and it is still an ongoing journey. So energy management is still something that I need to be aware of every single day. And I wish it was different, but it's not. So what I found was when I started as an entrepreneur after I recovered was that I thought this cannot happen again to me ever again, because now I have a business and, um, you know, there's no safety net. There's no social, social security. I, so I, I live in the Netherlands. We have a social security net. Um, but that's not there when, you're, when I'm a, an entrepreneur. So I can have this happen again. I need to take care of myself first, always. And I also realized that so many entrepreneurs are at risk of burning out because of doing all the things and uh, working day and night, weekends, never taking a break. Then when you have a business, it's always in your mind. It's not that you, you know, it's not that it stops at 5, a, uh, 5 p.m. when you mm-hmm. stop working. When you're in bed, it's still in your mind. Yeah. So, and I know the dangers of that. I know the dangers of working 24-7 and being on call 24-7. And if you have that in your business, and being at risk to burn out, I know what can happen and how, ma- how much you can lose. So this is why I'm so passionate about this subject. And this is why I tell entrepreneurs like, okay, you need to have support. You need to uh, document everything that's going on in your business because when you burn out, it literally something happens to your brain. It just doesn't function anymore. So if you have everything in your, ma- in your head, and, and, and you're driving your business from inside of your head, that is, it's a liability. And um, you, need to, you need to make sure it's, you get as much stuff out of your head as possible to avoid um, your brain just being fried. It's super important to make space on a daily basis to you know, brain dump everything and make sure it's not living there. And if you do that and you hire the right support at the right time, it's okay. You're going to be okay. And you're going to grow your business and it's going to be successful. But I do tell them the, about the risks. And I, and, and I, so for example, when we're launching something, when I'm launching a, a course with someone or a, a coaching program, because I work mostly with, with online coaches and course creators. So when we're in a launch and I see the, the overwhelm in their eyes, we always take a break. Even when it's in the middle of a launch, it's just, you know, take a break, just take a day off. We will take care of everything that's going on right now. You need to take a break. And we always plan a week of recovery time, at least. So the launch is over. There's no way we're going to deliver the next week. There is always a break because you need to recover from a launch because it's such an, a high energy event. And uh, I think those, thing, those things make me different than, than other OBMs probably because I you know, make sure I don't manage launches and projects in the team, but I also manage 
the energy of the uh, of the business owner and the team. Yeah, that is so important. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's a really nice way to end this conversation because it's such an important thing for us all to remember. And I agree with you that I think there is a risk of burnout for most entrepreneurs. I certainly, uh, you know, when you love what you do and when it's pretty addictive what you do, you know, it's easy just to work all the time. And like I said earlier, when you're working with clients and taking on their energy, wearing all the hats, it's a lot. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, and when we were talking about, when we were, before we recorded this interview, we were talking about what we might talk about. You you asked me a question about how I started hiring and what were my first experiences. And I think I shared that earlier, um, but I just want to reiterate for anyone listening, I started very small. I hired based on recommendation. That was the easiest way for me to find someone that I trusted at first. Um, I have a bit more of an intuition for it now, I think. <laughs> but back then it was mainly, you know, referrals, recommendations and just started small and built it up. And it gave me a massive kick up the bum to get my own systems written down and streamlined. And it was really good. And I didn't look back. And yes, I had to let some people go. I had to have difficult conversations with people. It caused me stress sometimes, but overall it caused my, it was enabled me to scale my business massively. It enabled me to work a lot less um, and, it, and the good outweighed the bad. So I just wanted to share that for anyone who is curious. Okay, so we've got one final question before we wrap up um, from my deck of random questions. So that is, if you could go back in time, what one thing would you tell your teenage self? Yeah, that's right. I think um, when I was a teenager and I had to choose like what I, what I was going to be the rest of my life, <laughs> um, I chose medicine. Um, and that was mostly because, you know, people around me said, if you are, if you become a doctor, you will never be out of work. We all know the mantra, right? Since we're in a pandemic, that is probably true <laughs> but I also know that it is way more important to do to choose something that you love and that suits you and it didn't suit me so in the end it's not really strange that I burned out because it's something that I'm not really good at mm. um, but I think what I would tell my teenage self is that it is totally okay to change course at any given time so if some, something doesn't feel right or it doesn't light you up, it's okay to make a decision to stop and do something else. It's, and that is still something I'm learning because I think we're all conditioned to sort of, you know, achieve the goal we set for ourselves. But if it's not feeling right, it's okay to just stop. And it's not giving up it's something else to be giving up or to make a conscious decision to change course and I think that is what I would tell myself mm. yeah great answer thank you and thank you so much for this chat I think it's going to be very helpful to a lot of people listening I hope so and uh, I, I loved it so thanks so much for, for having me and if you want to find out more about Villamain, then you can find her website at villamainmass.com. That is spelled W-I-L-L-E-M-I-J-N-M-A-A-S.com. You can find her free Facebook group, Here to Last. 
and you can find her on Instagram at villamainmass.obm. She's also got a free sustainable success guide, which is linked to in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.